Hello, everyone. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Smoke the Podcast, episode three. Episode three. Here we go. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody uh, who has listened to the last two. Um, I probably know you personally, <laughs> uh, but I have gotten some feedback. I appreciate the feedback. Um, you know, we're we're a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, constructive criticism. It's never taken too bad here. I I appreciate uh, all feedback. I appreciate most feedback. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today uh, we have uh, Bahia, Connecticut, as our cigar. We're going to be drinking some Woodford Reserve, and our topic is going to be about how to purchase your first firearm, and we'll go into some good first firearms for uh, people to buy. Cool. Um, so let's uh, talk about the cigar a little bit. Okay, so we've already lit up the cigar to save some time. Um, what we are smoking, again, is a Bahia, Connecticut. Um, this is a cigar that actually both Theodore and I have smoked before. Um, in fact, I, I bought a pretty big box of them, and I'm, we're getting towards the end of them. So um, these are these are really great, um, super, super, um, like, easy smokes. They're actually on the more medium side, mm -hmm. but you wouldn't be able to tell it really while smoking it. They're, they're actually fairly mild. Um, the tasting notes say that, that you'll taste notes of cream, um, cedar, slight spice, and actually some vanilla. Um, I, although we talk about not having refined palates, mm. I can actually say that, that I've experienced similar flavors to that every time I've smoked one of these. I mean, I think, I think cedar's spot on. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I definitely taste that a little bit. Yeah, it's, I think the further you get into it, the more, the, the creamier, um, mm -hmm. the, the smoke is going to be rather than that like peppery bite to it or yep. cedary. I guess I've, I should I've say. always enjoyed these. They're pretty good. Yeah. So they're great. These are also cut, um, or well, they're rolled in a, a torpedo, um, size. And so a torpedo essentially is the same thing as a Robusto. They're a, a tad thicker, maybe about as thick as a Churchill, um, Maybe it like I said, maybe just a tad thicker than that. But what's cool is they come to a point at the smoking end, which allows you to actually cut them um, to the draw size that you like. So if you like a much wider one, you, you know you can cut it just like a robusto. Mm -hmm. Or if you like a tighter draw, you can cut it pretty narrow at the top. I'm kind of right in the middle when I smoke torpedoes. I think I am too. Um, yeah, you know I'm, I, I I like my draw. I don't like my draw very loose. Uh, so. As you can see, too, these things put off a lot of smoke, which is nice. They do. They're burning really nice, too. Um, I, I lit mine pretty good. Uh, it's got a pretty straight uh, straight line. Ash is pretty nice. For lighting mine with a match, old school, rather than the, the torch um, lighter, it's, it's not burning all that bad, but you can definitely see the match line where I had it. Uh, oh, yeah. The match for a while. Uh, yeah, you can't see that. Yeah. Uh, I hogged up all the butane, sorry. It's <laughs> all good. <laughs> Oh, All right, man. so we are drinking Woodford Reserve Distiller Select, which is just I think your basic uh, standard Woodford Reserve. Yeah, so let's let's go ahead and crack that open. We have not uh, served these up yet, so we're gonna do that now. Cool. Ooh, smells good. Yeah, what kind of uh, aroma are you getting off of it, other than just a whiskey aroma? <laughs> smells like bourbon. Bourbon. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well. Oh, that does. It's actually not that overpowering, the scent. According to the manufacturer. Okay. This is pulled off their website. So the appearance clean, brilliant honey amber. And I mean, that that's a way to describe, I would say, any kind of whiskey. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, I mean. To uh, me, it looks a little more red. Uh, it could be the lighting. Yeah, true. Um, uh, maybe that's the amber a little bit. Could be. Um, but the through the nose, it's saying heavy with rich dried fruit, hints of mint, and oranges covered with a dusting of cocoa, faint vanilla, and tobacco spice, uh, which should pair well with the cigar then. It should. Um, hmm, I do give a little smell, a, a scent of oranges a little bit. I'm actually getting some of the vanilla off of that, which is funny because I don't smell any of the other things. So what are we taking a taste then? Cheers. Oh, cheers. Got. I jumped the gun. Yeah, it's okay. It's whiskey. It has a tendency to do that to you. So, back to the manufacturer saying, rich, for the taste, sorry. Okay. Rich, 
Chewy, which uh, I don't know necessarily <laughs> know <laughs> uh, okay. what what they mean by that. Rounded and smooth, definitely smooth, uh, with complex citrus, cinnamon, and cocoa. Okay. Um, taste the cocoa. Uh, don't necessarily taste cinnamon. I definitely it does taste rich. I get what they're saying by that. No, mm-hmm. Rich, it's just like a real. I, not that I would say a whiskey's like full bodied like a cigar, but it definitely tastes more like it's got more of a flavor. It's just like a just a deep like bourbony flavor to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I've had I've had uh, bourbons uh, and whiskeys that are just smooth and and don't have a lot of flavor. Yeah, this kind of has both. Yeah, it's smooth which is pretty good. with a lot of flavor. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm enjoying it. I've had it before. Yeah, as uh, as have I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, when do you typically drink this? So I, I was telling uh, Theodore earlier today that Woodford Reserve is like my guilty pleasure on any airplane, any international flight that we take, because it's pretty common for whatever reason, although I don't feel like it's all that common of a... I guess, I mean, I guess it's common, but it's like Jack Daniels and Woodford Reserve, and so I'm always like, well, if we're going international and I can get it for free, give me some Woodford Reserve, man. <laughs> Give me the good stuff. And looking these uh, uh, prices up earlier, uh, you can get this for about $40 a bottle. Oh, wow. That's actually more than I thought yeah. it would be. Huh. Okay. Um, I mean, it's good. It's definitely worth that. But I, I don't know why I would, would have pegged this at like $35, $32, somewhere around there. Yeah, you just think like average. Yeah. Right, you know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it's, yeah. it's a little... It's a, it's a little more uh, of a select. Yeah, a little a little more than your okay. uh, your average bourbon. Cool. Uh, finish says silky smooth, almost creamy at first, with a long, warm, satisfying tail. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. you know, tasting these things with, you know, w- with uh, someone telling you what you should taste, you, you kind of see that. Um, you know, no, seriously. Cause <laughs> no, my, I agree. Uh, my problem is, it, you know, when you taste something like whiskey, in my head, I always think, well, it tastes like whiskey. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so yeah. um, can, to kind of have these things pointed out to you, it's like, oh, okay, you know, I do taste that. You know, when, when I read oranges and I smell, they go, this definitely does kind of have a little bit of an orangey smell. Right, right. Um, not... You know, not overpowering doesn't smell exactly like oranges, but I can understand why why people say that now. Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. I just I'm always curious to think like, you're right. Well, what if I don't have the tasting notes and I taste it? I mean, is it seriously just going to taste like like whiskey? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, am I going to well, even be able to pick out those notes? Then what you're going to get from me is I either like it or I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that either. So. But yeah, it is it is super nice to actually have the the tasting notes um, there. I, I definitely have more of a palate for cigars than I do whiskey. Yeah. As far as like what I'm able to taste mm-hmm. in it. So. Okay, so uh, before we go on to the to the gun topic of the day, I'm gonna throw a little curveball. Okay. But we did talk about this a little bit. Um, quail chucker opener. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I feel like we are moving pretty quick tonight um, through the topics. So. Uh, quail opener. We, we, um, and when I say we, I mean me and my dad. So your uncle, um, yes, we went out on actually, actually on opening day, um, which is 10, 20, October 20th. Um, we went out to an undisclosed location in Southern California <laughs> where there wasn't hardly anybody, um, present, which was great. So that's why I'm not going to share where that is. If you'd like to know or hunt with us, then give me a call. Maybe you can go out there, but um, it was awesome. It was it was definitely not what I was expecting as com- in comparison to dove season where it's just like, okay, there's dove everywhere and you just get shots off after shot. Um, I think I only took maybe three or four shots the whole day. Um, but uh, yeah, it was pretty quiet. No callbacks. I mean, we were calling. We started hiking basically in um, down kind of a ravine. I was on kind of the bottom side of the re- ravine. My dad was on the top moved through there didn't really see anything passed a couple of guzzlers which for those of you that don't know a guzzler is basically a man-made structure that collects water for the birds and wildlife to kind of drink out of and stuff especially during like our hot and really dry summers yeah you typically find them where there's not a lot of streams uh, and things like that yeah 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 so it kind of naturally gravitate the wildlife gravitates towards those areas so you expect typically to find and there we really didn't we didn't hear them calling and it kind of when we did actually come up on a covey of them it kind of spooked me um i'm sure you know my dad probably 
kind of knew what to expect but getting up on it i was like oh shoot like there's a bunch of birds in here mm-hmm. and you see them kind of moving around and this and that and then um a couple of them took off and then they started really taking off and honestly i probably should have taken a shot but at the same time you're kind of like experiencing it and you know kind of watching them and seeing them and i'm like oh shoot i hesitated by the time i took a shot i was really far behind eventually i was able to chase a few of them up um another ravine literally running like pretty much at a dead sprint to get to him got him up in the air again was able to take a shot and bring one down so i ended the day with one quail and then later on we had moved to another location where i was able to actually take a cottontail rabbit which was pretty cool because i've been hunting for that probably about a year and a half (laughs) now so i was pretty proud that i finally got my cottontail um so yeah that was cool yeah so that was that was opener for us it was really low-key um, unfortunately my, my dad didn't get any, um, but you know, it's okay. We, uh, we had a great time. We actually learned a lot. So yeah, that, that's pretty much the same thing with me. Um, this is not something that I've done for a long time. So it's a lot of learning to do. Yeah. Um, I went out with, uh, Ryan's dad. Uh, we stayed overnight, uh, where we went in an, another undisclosed location. Uh, we scouted previously. We scouted, when would you say about a month ago? Uh, yeah, uh, about, two, about there. About yeah. three weeks, a month ago. Uh, we did find a covey of quail while we were scouting. Uh, we got a lot of callbacks all day long. Um, actually, more towards midday, they kind of started. They, oh, they wow. kind of stopped uh, with oh, the callbacks. Oh, stopped. Okay. Uh, but early morning, they were calling back really uh, a lot. Hmm. And then uh, towards a later day. Um, and so we went back to that spot, and we found the quail in the exact same spot that we located them before. Wow, okay. That's pretty <laughs> um, cool. So, uh, it was good. We, we, uh, Ryan's dad kind of, he, they flushed a little before he got close enough and they kind of flushed towards me. I was able to take a couple shots, but missed. Okay. And man, those things just disappear when they land. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) They blend in really well. I had a hard time chasing the ones that I did, but. Um, and you know, I, I can understand why most quail hunters, um, have dogs. Because it would have been really helpful to have a dog. We knew they were there. Uh, we could hear them calling back, and the callbacks just get, kept on getting further and further and further. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we ha- we hiked around the area and um, flushed a couple more coveys. But unfortunately, um, the, the the lesson that I learned is you got if you're quail hunting, chucker hunting, you have to be ready all the time. Yeah. You have to be ready to shoot all the time. Yeah. Um, the so every time we flushed a covey, it's like you know it was, i was just a split second too slow yeah and you know i listened to a couple of podcasts i listened to the upchucker podcast and uh he always says travis warren always says to uh uh hunt with your head up you know a lot of people look at the ground because you're hiking in in uh, terrain mm-hmm. you know that's where you, you have to be looking or else you know you're gonna step on a cactus or you know you, you just never know what you're gonna step on um but if your head's not up then you're not ready for the birds and, yeah. and I, uh, I learned that. I learned that today, the, this last trip. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I couldn't agree more with you. It's it, like I said, you hesitate for even a split second to bring your shotgun up or anything and they're gone. Like it's, it's just too late. It makes sense why, um, it makes sense why a lot of people do hunt with dogs. Cause yeah, that was, that was the issue that we had is that they flushed like well before, um, well before we could get into position and i think that was the major issue there was just the fact that we just we didn't even have like they were already too far yeah but if you have a dog it kind of holds them in place i mean i don't know ethically though i kind of feel like dang dude like now you're just sitting them there until you go hey okay (laughs) let's shoot them now and and kill them so and these birds they seem pretty smart i mean we we were um hiking along a creek and we did uh, flush a covey and they just jumped to the other side of the creek. Yeah. And it's almost like they knew that it was going to take us a while to cross the creek. And by that time, they were gone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, and I thought about it. I go, I wonder why they just didn't go the other way. But I don't know. Maybe it was just luck that they just went across the creek. Or if they, they know that, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to cross, as to cross it as quickly and they're going to get away. Well, it'll did. be interesting to see the more we go out how often things like that happen. I mean, obviously, then you'll start to know, like, okay, yeah, they, they really do have a really good um, idea of where they're essentially being hunted from or where mm-hmm. the predators are at, so to speak, you know. So. Yeah, and I hear early in the season, 
you're going to get a lot more callbacks. Uh, and as they start getting hunted more and more, that that's not going to happen as often. Well, yeah, I don't uh, think I would talk to somebody if they were hunting <laughs> me. So <laughs> they were pretty chatty when we were. Yeah, out there. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Oh, cool, these guys are just hanging out with us out or, here." Or maybe I just have a, a a mean quail call. That too. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I learned that I really needed to practice my quail call while we were out there. Mine sounded like, you know, a quail that had, like, lung problems or something. <laughs> but um, I'm getting better at it, so, yeah, yeah, keep working on that. All right, so let's move on to our topic of the day. Before we do, before that, we do that, I just want to make a note. Um, I got maybe an inch into this cigar before I had to ash it. So although it burns pretty clean, pretty good, um, the ash doesn't stay on. I mean, it, it's not bad at an inch, but it, it doesn't hold together all that great. So. The same thing happened with me. Uh, although I didn't ash it, it just fell off. Mm. And that was, I would say, about three quarters of an inch. I don't even think I was an inch in. Yeah, and I do, yeah. again, I smoke faster than Theodore, so. Uh, much faster. Yeah. All right, topic of the day. All right, so we're going to talk about how to purchase your first firearm. Um, so let me ask you a question. When, how old were you when you got your first, when you purchased your first firearm? I purchased my first firearm. I think I was either 19 or 20 mm-hmm. when I purchased, like, my very first, very own, like, f- yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, probably about 19 or 20. I know I was in college, and I bought it at Big Five Sporting Goods. Yeah. Okay, what uh, what kind was it? What uh, what did you go with? I don't know um, if if that if that will conflict with uh, or not conflict, but will kind of give away um, what I think as being one of the better um, first guns. But oh, I that's fine. I bought a Mossberg five hundred okay. pump shotgun um, with both the uh, hunting twenty eight inch hunting barrel and the eighteen inch. I think it's eighteen and a half technically home defense barrel. So um, that's what I ended up going with. It was on Black Friday. I distinctly remember getting there because I was working uh, security for a a company, loss prevention for a company at the time, and uh, had worked the Black Friday shift pretty much until midnight. Went and slept in my car till about 4 a.m. and uh, was the first one outside Big Five that morning to to buy that that shotgun. That is dedication. It was dedication. I was excited. (laughs) Yeah. Then again, like I said, I was 19 or 20 in college, and it was Thanksgiving break, so I didn't really have anything better to do. So it was cool. Uh, Well, myself, I was well into my 30s. I would say 32 or 33. Oh, okay. Before I actually purchased my my own first. Uh, yeah, gun which which was a handgun, a Springfield XD nine okay. millimeter. Okay. Um. So, uh, I mean, what's the process? Um. It's funny you should ask because I literally just purchased one uh, a couple days ago. Um. I'm not gonna say what, but I purchased a gun, um, which was pretty cool. Um. And so I, mine was a little different though because it was a consignment sale uh-huh. and, rather than a standard sale. So there's a few little. Um, additions to that but basically the way the standard sale works in the state of California it's pretty crazy in order to buy any firearm with handgun long gun so long gun is a shotgun rifle or an AR-15 lower mm-hmm. or full AR-15 yeah but, but tra- traditionally even to buy a lower um, it's considered a long gun um, you need to have a firearm cer- uh, safety certificate now this is one of the newer laws because yes. before this it used to just be a handgun certificate and you could buy a long gun no problem now they've included all of them into this certificate um, so basically what this is is you pay a fee of $25 and you take a test and it's 30 questions um, 75% to pass so you just need 75% or more to pass um, it's valid for five years if you pass and you get this license, right, and, or permit. And basically what it is is it uh, allows you to purchase uh, any California legal handgun yes, um, and then any long guns um, or lowers, AR-15 lowers. Now, there is one exception to that. If you only intend to purchase long guns in the state of California, a valid hunting license or hunter safety permit will also um, suffice suffice yeah. for that, but but that's long guns only, not handguns. Yes. So that's step number one. Did you have anything to add to that? Uh, well, I would just say, going through the test, um, I took the test when it was both. I I think um, that was the first year where it included long guns and handguns. Okay. Um, it was the firearm. It used to be called the handgun safety uh, certificate. Right. Yeah. Um, now it's the firearm safety. And certificate. I've I've taken the test for both. Uh, but uh, it was really easy. Yeah. Uh, the, the, some of the questions are, they're pretty obvious if 
you're good at taking multiple choice tests, yeah. you should be able to pass it because, um, I mean, some of the questions are just ridiculous. Um, and, and I'm not exaggerating here. I think one of them was to, something to the effect of, if you have a firearm in your home, whose responsibility is it? Yeah. And the, some of the, uh, the answers were, is it your neighbor's responsibility? Is it your children's responsibility? Right. Is it your responsibility? Right. It's like, well, obviously it's your responsibility. I think one of the ones that I got was if you have a loaded gun, where should you point it? And it's like at a neighbor, at a friend, mm-hmm. in a, you know, in a safe direction, straight into the ground. Like, you know, it, it's like really very, very, very easy. Yeah. Th- there's only a couple that are kind of technical and those, I think, typically just relate to California yeah. law, too. And that's why they're weird, because you'd think, well, you know, maybe you don't need that. But, no, nope, California is a little extra. Yeah, now I would say uh, to to get the 75%, uh, it should be pretty easy. Yeah, and um, uh, we didn't actually look up the process if you don't. But I want to say, and again, top of my head, um, there's there's like a wait period before you can retake it if you fail it. So. And I think they have... Uh, a little handbook that goes oh the yeah yeah I, yeah i know i got a copy of it a while back so so yeah um, that that was that was easy and i, I got mine and then when, once you once you get yours um you know they give you a little certificate and it has to be signed and if you yeah. lose you, you don't lose that because if you yeah. lose it then you have to pay to get it back yeah yeah um and yeah uh but yeah then then you can buy a handgun or yeah, a, a firearm any, yeah, in any, general. Any California legal firearm. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, that's that's a firearm safety certificate. So that's that's thing step number one. Um, in fact, I want to say I did mine even separate of a purchase. Like I think I just went down and did it like just to have it. I did mine and, separate of a purchase okay. because uh, I know I knew someone that I was going to go to, and um, so I, I did the. I did all that just to have that out of the way. That way, yeah. that it was just one less step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah. do, of course. Yeah, so that that's good. So that's step number one. Once you have that, now you're able to purchase. Um, well, you have the permit that allows you to purchase. Yeah, and there is no wait. I mean, if you wanted to go in, do your safety test, and buy a gun the same day, that would you could. Yeah, you really could do it all the same way. Um, I uh, did. But that. You wouldn't be able to take it home, so that's that's that, that's for later. So yeah, we'll, I did. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. After. I actually did that on um, when I had to update from the uh, handgun safety certificate to the firearm safety certificate. I had to take it because I thought mine it was still valid, but. The um, I was purchasing both a handgun and a long gun, okay. and so they're like, "Well, you need the new firearm safety certificate." Even though I had a hunting license, it was it's just weird. The way yeah, it's and all. these certificates are only valid for five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, next step then is obviously, um, and we're gonna skim over this, but um, once you have that firearm safety certificate, you need to pick the gun that you want to purchase, and we'll go through that in a little bit. But once you find the gun that you want to purchase, and you go into store, you pick it out, you show them your uh, firearm safety certificate. And then they start what's called the DROS, which is actually a um, basically a form um, that is uh, for background info that is submitted to the FBI, the DOJ, and I think it's all cross-referenced between like the ATF and some other law enforcement agencies. Um, the cost for the background is $25. That's, that's just standard cost in California. Now, I don't know if that's the cost... Um, nationwide, but I believe that this DROS form, this background form, is um, pretty much the same exact form that's required in all states, um, to my knowledge. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm, I'm pr- I think it's a, a fairly standard federal form. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it is. Okay, cool. Um, and then that... In California, we have a weird law that says you can only do one background form every 30 days. So you can only do one every 30 days. They basically, if you went bought a, a gun and then you decided two days later, oh, you know, I want another one, you wouldn't be able to go and purchase it unless you get it put on that same DROS form. Well, here's the issue, though, is with that DROS form, um, you can only buy one handgun. Yes. Per DROS form, which is also per 30 days. So essentially one handgun per 30 days. But here's the crazy catch to that. In the state of California right now, you can buy an unlimited amount of long guns or AR-15 lowers. And you can buy them together with Mm -hmm. one handgun. So if you wanted to, you could buy one handgun and like three shotguns and a rifle and an AR-15 all on one dross. Yes, as long as your AR-15... Is California compliant. Is California compliant. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I'm Uh, saying... I mean California legal guns, essentially. One handgun and then multiple long guns. 
um, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, then once that starts though, then yeah, you're, you're kind of dead in the water for 30 days as far as going back and buying anything else. Yeah. Um, so that obviously they do the background check and, um, and that's essentially what determines whether or not you're mentally fit to purchase a gun. Some places, I think other States will do it literally right there while you're at the counter. Yeah. Well, there is, um, I I don't know what the other States use, but there's an instant background check database that they use. Okay. Um, so you know, to do the background check doesn't necessarily have to take uh, the 10 days because in California, once, once you do your drills, it's a 10-day waiting period right, right. Um, before you can actually pick your guns up. And it is exactly 10 days. Yes. So let's, let's move down because we're going we're gonna to get to that 10-day period here. Um, after the DROS is completed, you're going to have some other required documents that you need to hand in, right? So now you've got this background, back form, background form. Um, completed. You Mm -hmm. filled it out. Everything's ready to go. You signed it and everything. Next, you're going to have to provide two forms of identification or proof of residency essentially is really what they are. Um, So you have to use a, um, typically what they request is a California ID. That's like number one. That's the Mm -hmm. most common. You can use a military ID as well, especially if you're stationed in California. Um, And then the other more common ones are either vehicle registration or a utility bill showing that you are paying bills on a particular property. In fact, I remember when I went in with a property tax, like my property tax bill and essentially the deed of my property saying, yeah, I own this property. And they said, actually, that doesn't show proof of residency because you could be an investor who owns a property here. We actually have to see like a utility bill or something that you're getting charged to your home and sent to your home. So that was pretty interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought I'm like, oh, it's a tax bill. I'm paying it. You yeah. Know? That, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah. It is a little frustrating, but yeah, it, that, it, it's like, okay. I could see the yeah. annoyance. Yeah. So there's that. Um, and then and the, the, the two, um, uh, the proof of residence, uh, two proofs is only for handguns. You don't have to show two proofs to buy a long gun. Right. Um, so then after that, um, is completed, then you have payment, which obviously everyone knows yeah. that. Um, got to pay for your gun. <laughs> yeah, you got to pay for your gun. You got to pay for everything that's going on. So obviously you just go up to the point of sale at whatever store you're in. You pay for that. Um, what I will say though, two notes on that is DROS form and firearm safety certificate have to be paid on the same day that they're completed. So if you complete either one, you take the test for firearm safety or you complete a DROS form has to be paid same day. You can't pay that at a later time. Now, typically most gun stores just ask for a deposit on the gun or guns that you're purchasing um, because you know, they don't, they feel that if you're going to come back and pick it up, they can just collect payment mm-hmm. at a later date. I typically just pay mine off immediately. That's just, that's just how I do it. Yeah. So. I've never uh, put a deposit down on any. Yeah. But any I know that that's very that common. That's typically the first question they ask you when you go to pay is are you, how much of a deposit are you putting down? Or are you going to pay in full? So that's just two notes on payment. Now, once it's all paid for, everything's completed. That's when your 10 day waiting period begins. Yes. Um, and so typically with that 10 day waiting period, it's uh, a, it's mandated by the state of California. Um, other states differ in that. There are some states where you literally can, what they call cash and carry, you pay and literally can walk out with that gun the same day. Some places have like a three day waiting period, a one day waiting period. They're, they're all over, you know, all over the board. Um, uh, fun fact, the reason why that was put in place was it's considered a cool down period. So you can't just go out and buy a gun and shoot somebody while you're upset. Um, however, I think that once you own guns, it kind of defeats the purpose of the cool down if you already are a gun owner. Yeah, I've never, <laughs> I've, I've really never understood that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me personally. Uh, I don't think people typically commit crimes with guns that they've bought. That they go and buy. Yeah. They're like, oh, you know what? I got to I got to kill somebody today, so I'm gonna go buy a gun. Yeah, it, I don't think they would go to a yeah absolutely. place where they can buy one. It's usually done off the black market. Yeah, yeah, certainly, I I would agree with that. But yeah. I get it. I understand it. It's law, like, and obviously yes. we respect it. And so, um, and there's no way around that. I mean, oh, absolutely. Even not. I know people that you know work for uh, gun stores and stuff, and there, there's no way around that. Even if they buy a gun, they have to do the ten day. Yeah, waiting it's period. just a mandatory ten day waiting period in the state. So, and it is literally ten days to the second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, one of the guns I purchased um, last year, I remember going in, and it was like I think two thirty three in the afternoon. It was, I know it was two thirty something, two thirty one, two thirty two, two thirty three, something like that. 
And um, the guy even made a note like, hey, you got to come in 10 days from now, exactly 10 24 hour periods from now. So he goes, if you come in that day, you can't pick it up until 234, essentially, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't release it to you until exactly that amount of time has elapsed. So it's pretty funny. Um, A lot of places will just make it 11 days because they're like, we don't want to deal with the fact that it might have been run at nine in the morning or it might have been run at eight at night and we have no idea, you know, or, or they don't want to just, so they usually will like, um, Bass Pro Shops pushes it out to 11 days. Okay. And their pickup is on the, the 11th day. Any, any time after the 10th full yeah, day. Yeah. Because then you can pick, pick up any time. Yeah. You just know. Yeah. And so the, on the other, uh, the flip side of that though, is you have 30 days to pick it up. So once your 10 days are up, then you have 30 days to pick it up. If you do not pick it up within that 30 day period, you have to start the entire process all over again. So don't forget. Yeah. So do not forget. <laughs> Make sure you go get it. So, um, but you know, every time I've purchased a, a firearm, I'm pretty excited. So I usually pick it up on the day that it's, it's up <laughs> just uh, so I can get it. Just, a, just so I can get it home. Just a little <laughs> secret on that one that I purchased last year. That was two thirty four. I think I was in there at about two forty five <laughs> on day ten to pick it up. I, I mean, it was less than fifteen minutes. I think I was in there and was like, "Hey, I'm here." Uh, uh, well, I, I've I've been where I've, I had to wait a little bit. Really, a little early. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's so cool so you browse around the store and you yeah know. i haven't i haven't had that yet but that's pretty cool yeah so and then last but not least is pickup which we kind of said you got uh after that 10 days you can pick it up and typically all you need for pickup for most places are id but again always just ask the staff at the store what they mm-hmm. need from you some places are a little more old school probably require a receipt or something just but just always ask. Typically, all you need, though, is your ID. Um, the other thing that you will need, though, um, when you come in for pickup is is a lock, which has to be new. Because yes. um, I have tons of locks, and I've brought in locks that I own. And say, yeah, I'm going to use this. And they go, nope, we need to see a receipt within the last 30 days that you purchased this for the purpose of this. Yes, but firearm. I believe that's for handguns. Yeah, and that is. It is. Um, yeah. The for. Long guns, you have to give a, that you have a safe, you know, yeah. the model of safe that you have, yeah. or else you have to buy a lock. Yeah, yeah. So that was that's pretty funny. Yeah, the the last time I um, went, I thought that um, just having a safe was good enough, but it's not. I have to have to have a lock. Well, what's so. funny though is Bass Pro Shop um, required uh, a lock on all purchases. They were just saying from here on out, just so we don't have to do paperwork and add like all the documentation of it literally we're just making everyone buy a lock so i was like i thought that was kind of interesting the other thing um that's required by the store that sells it to you is they have to um, give you a rundown on how to use it oh yeah 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 Yeah. um so you know just to make sure that you're you know know how to take it apart and you know do like a a field strip load Um, and unload yeah load and unload um you know how the 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 gun operates yeah you know when i bought my first ar i had never shot one and i had never run one before so i had no idea um i mean i had an idea of how they worked i shouldn't say i had no idea but you know it, it was good just to get it in yeah. your hand and have somebody that's dealt with many of them show you yeah exactly how to handle it and yeah um yeah it, it's pretty helpful and that's actually um i believe mandated by the state of california it's yeah. part of their checklist i know that for sure well i know you have to sign like the affidavit saying that like yes it was yeah. demonstrated to me and then that's the store clerk has to sign it as well and the other thing you'll notice if you buy a firearm is how many times they check the serial number against the serial number it's awesome <laughs> on the drawers. yeah, yeah I'm so. like yeah making sure making sure making sure <laughs> well and then on one of them i know i was told like hey you're not going to have the display model you're going to get the one that's in the back and so i, I remembered what the display model serial was because i was like I, I really want to make sure I get a brand new one <laughs> out of the back. So once I got it, I was like, okay, cool. This one's definitely never been opened. And in fact, it had like that plastic seal on it. So I was like, all right, cool. We're good. This thing's brand, brand new. So All right. So now that you got your first firearm, what do you, what do you think? What, what do you think is a good first firearm? And I know this, this question is going to depend on the person and what they're using it for. Yeah. But, you know, just, uh, um, just what, what do you think um, is a good as a good starter gun. So technically I had a f- more first firearm than the one that I actually purchased. Uh-huh. Um, I was given at a very young age, I was given a, a 22 uh, Marlin model 60, 22. It's a semi-automatic, uh, a 22 caliber rimfire rifle, which is pretty cool. Pretty common. Um, they were super common, I guess, back in the day. Um, where guys used them a lot for small game hunting, mammal hunting, you know, rabbit, squirrel, that sort of thing. And then they're really good for just plinking um, and just target practice. Mm-hmm. Um, for a kid, 
um, or someone who's just really, really, really new to guns, I would have to argue that, and I, I have like three or four different first guns. Yes, would, and so do I. So. I would have to argue that a twenty two is probably one of the best guns to start off with. Uh-huh. A, ammo's cheap. Very cheap. B, they're pretty universally easy to use. I've used multiple models of twenty twos without ever firing them before, you know, or ever having any use of them before, like the Ruger 1022 I fired. I fired a few bolt actions. I fired a couple, one uh, pump action 22. <laughs> there's like, cool. yeah, there's there's some definitely... Le- like, and then lever action 22. Oh, cool. yeah, and those are pretty cool too. So uh, there's a ton of different types of 22. So it's a really good way to get your foot in the door. And then again, ammo's cheap. Guns are pretty universal, pretty easy to use. They don't kick all that much. We're talking not, 22 long rifle. Yeah, they're not too loud. Um, you know, they're just all around really easy to use they're really in my opinion if you want to teach your kids how to shoot how to handle a weapon properly aside from a bb gun or a pellet gun the 22 is like that next step up it's like that it's a really great way to intro your kids into hey this is yeah how to shoot. i think um you know our, our cousin his first gun was when he was very young i would say like 10 or 11 i think is what he said what he told me but he got a bolt action 22 single shot bolt action 22 um rifle which is awesome you know, I, when I was in Boy Scouts, that was what we had to qualify for for the rifle shooting merit badge. Yeah, and and that, um, that's that's an awesome first gun I think for for a younger kid um, for all the reasons listed. You know, they're not scary loud. Yeah, they don't have a lot of kick. You got to learn how to run the actual bolt. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it, and and um, you know, it's, it's a firearm, so you have to treat it with respect. You have to. Uh, that that's a good way to teach them, you know, uh, the the proper way to handle a firearm, and and one of the things is when you're trying to teach somebody something, you don't want them to be scared, right? You know, so if if you if you're trying to shoot, uh, you know, a thirty out six or something that can possibly, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you, you know, when when a, a child hears that, and you know, and you know, they might not even be listening to you when you're trying to to give them yeah, guidance. You want to make just, it fun and yeah, they're just super worried about the loud noise yeah. and the the backwash that's coming off that thing. And like, shoot, am I going to get knocked over when I shoot this thing? You know. So the twenty two, yeah, you're right. Super, super easy on a shooting mechanic. Um, more point. Um, I would say the the reason why the twenty two is so great, especially a bolt action twenty two. Um, you got to actually place each round. Mm-hmm. You got to take the time to close the bolt. And then you got to take the time to aim, get back on target, really breathe, and take the shot. I think it makes you a little bit better of a marksman mm-hmm. at a younger age because you're now having to think about every time you got to reline up that shot, go through all your shooting mechanics. Where I know as a kid, when you have that 22 and you go out to the desert and you're looking at that tin can, you're oh, like, like a Man. Ruger 1022. Yeah, or something Ruger 1022. Or like getting... my Marlin, I think it holds like 17 rounds or something, 14 to 17 rounds. I'm, I'm not entirely sure anymore. I know I used to have it all memorized. <laughs> um, but I just remember thinking, man, I cannot wait to unload this thing as fast as I pull the trigger. <laughs> rounds going to come out. You know? And, yep. um, but obviously, I mean, you're way off target. And so it's, it's a really, really great way. The bolt actions and pump actions and lever actions are a really great way to have to go, okay, now I got to get back on target. And Yeah, if you're shooting a bolt action, a single shot, 22, I mean, you want to talk about a cheap day of shooting. Seriously. <laughs> you're not going to go through very many rounds. No, you're going to get bored of it before you go through more than you can spend. I mean, I don't know what a box of 500 rounds is, probably under under 30 bucks. I know that for sure. Yeah, you, if, if you... Uh... If you look hard enough, you can find them for pretty cheap. Yeah, I want to say the last box I bought of 550 rounds was about $23 or something like that. Um, probably. I, I couldn't even tell you. I, yeah. I, have, I have a lot of 22 right now, so I haven't bought it in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, in my opinion, for kids, um, people that are just getting into shooting, want to learn how to handle a long gun safely, 22 is great. You could say the same thing about someone who wants to get into handgun shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, 22s are good. In my personal opinion, though, for first handgun I would say go with a nine millimeter. Um, yeah, and that that that's what um, what I want to go over is it's kind of like my f- initial thought is going to be well, what are you going to use it for? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know if you're going to use it for target shooting um, and home defense, then you don't want a twenty two. Um, you're going to want something a little more mm-hmm. with a little more kick to it. And I would suggest a nine millimeter. They're easier to uh to control than you know a, a bigger round not as snappy as like a 40 yeah um also 45 is pretty nice but <laughs> yeah but the gun's a lot heavier typically. the gun like is a, a lot like heavier. a 1911 is way yeah. heavier than like a, a nine millimeter xd mp or glock you um know? you know and, and the other thing is uh i would suggest a full-size nine millimeter or 
a compact at the most, not a subcompact. And I think it's a little too small for somebody that hasn't been shooting a lot. Yeah. Um, one is with the smaller barrel, the accuracy is decreased. Absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, they're just, they're harder to grip. I mean, you, you kind of have to know, uh, you kind of have to practice a lot, you know, and, yeah. and kind of be a shooter before you can start shooting the, the subcompact. It's not really as easy. Um, but yeah, I, I think a full size, I think the gun, uh, you know, I have a, a Springfield XD, which I think is the same size as like a, a Glock 19. Yeah. Um, and even with that one, uh, that was my first gun. Uh, I'm not as accurate. You know, I have a Glock 22, which is a 40 caliber, uh, but the full size. Um, and I, f- I feel like I'm more accurate with that gun. Um, and other guns that I've shot, um, you know, I've shot uh, a Beretta, which I, <laughs> I'm super accurate with for some reason. <laughs> I mean, that Beretta's pretty souped up. It's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's a big thing. If, if you haven't been uh, shooting a lot, you know, to, to – uh, yeah, because I know a lot of people, they – they want something really small uh, for some reason. Um, I've talked to a lot of people where they, oh, I want you know a little small gun. It's like, eh. you know, it, it, they they kind of don't understand. It's a little easy. It's a little harder to shoot, you know, a really small gun, especially if you start going with a bigger, um, uh, bigger caliber bullets. Yeah, no, I, I I couldn't agree more. I have a so you've got the full size XD or whatever. It's just I know it's their full size. I don't know if it's considered like a full. Well, um, I believe the XD has. Uh, comes with two different size barrels so mine's i think the four four inch as opposed to the five inch okay a barrel so I, you can get one longer barrel oh okay yeah okay uh, one size bigger so i have barrel. the subcompact uh xd nine millimeter which i love and yeah you're right it's definitely tricky so they make the mag extensions on there where you yes, have like a full size you grip get, you get your pinky on there yeah and to me it's like okay that's pretty cool because the grip is the same as like any full size pistol but you're right that that shorter barrel makes it a lot tougher to hit at a distance mm-hmm. um at the same time though i will say that it i'm pretty accurate with that thing in fact it I love it. I love the feel of it. But yeah, as soon as you put those short mags in there, it's like, oh man, like uh, my grip is definitely weird. You got to kind of compensate for this awkward grip. Um, At the same time, you know, the intention for that type of a gun is more as a last ditch conceal carry or, you know, just personal defense really rather than home defense. Yeah. Because I mean, even, you know, a lot of people that, that do conceal carry that ideally they want to conceal carry a bigger gun. The reason they, they, uh, will shoot a smaller gun or, or it's for concealability. Um, you know, it's kind of like almost, you have no choice sometimes in the summertime where you, you're, you know, wearing t-shirt and shorts. It's hard to, it's hard to hide a, uh, you know, to conceal a, a bigger, a bigger gun. Oh yeah. Well, it was even tough concealing the, the subcompact nine millimeter in, um, Nevada when we were over there and I was wearing the tank top, you know, yeah. it's like, I'm like, shoot, dude, I feel like I'm printing. Like, yeah. then you're super self-conscious about it. But, um, but yeah, this is totally off, to- off topic. So, yeah. um, um, back to, back to the nine millimeter though, real quick, if uh-huh. you are planning on getting a handgun and I think Teddy and I both agree nine millimeter, but the big thing that I would say nine millimeter full size, sorry. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I would say is if you are going to purchase a nine millimeter full sized handgun for your first gun i would highly recommend buying something in the kind of that polymer frame system so like the glock the mp by smith and wesson Mm -hmm. or the xd Mm -hmm. i had a browning high power um, for a while that i really loved but they're they're all metal they're a little older they're clunkier you got to take a lot better care of them Mm -hmm. you got to constantly not that you shouldn't not clean your gun but you have to constantly be cleaning these things and oiling them and lubing them because they get really finicky um i know berettas are amazing guns the problem is too same thing you got to constantly be maintaining them they're like a 1911 where you just have to bait yeah and that's why i don't recommend a 1911 for a first gun no no um they're big they're heavy yeah um yeah i I definitely agree with uh the polymer you know glocks um you're gonna get into when if you start researching and start looking for a (laughs) pistol you're gonna get into um uh, and you're going to get yourself into a forum probably that's where you're going to have the debate, the big debate of Glock versus Springfield versus uh, Smith & Wesson. Not really Smith & Wesson. Uh, yeah, I guess the Smith & Wesson. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, uh, I think the Smith & Wesson shields are awesome. Or not, uh, the M&Ps are the awesome. M- they're really great guns, um, but it, there just small. seems to be a, a like a two dividing factions of Springfield versus Glock. And yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. And to me, they're they're both good. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have the Springfield XD and and I have a Glock. Um, I don't have a Glock in nine millimeter, but they're both awesome guns. I mean, yeah, I've dealt with both, fired both, and yeah, yeah, they're they're great. But yeah, that's what I would say. Palmer, they're lightweight, easy to handle, easy to maintain. And uh, you know, you can go online and look at torture tests for both of them and see. People put them, you know, drop sand in them and mud and all that stuff, and these things will still fire both, both yeah. platforms. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's like anything else. I mean, it, if somebody breaks something down too much, it's gonna malfunction. But absolutely, these these uh, those guns are about as yeah, reliable. Yeah, for the, as, for as the you normal user, the first time user, you're not even gonna be putting them through even close to that. So they're they're super reliable guns. At that point, you just have to decide what one you like shooting better. So um, now. Let's move on to the next gun. Now, if let's say I'm going to ask you this one, aspiring hunter, what's the best first gun? Oh, I think it uh, depends on what you want to hunt, obviously. Right. But um, if it's birds, it's definitely for me. Um, I would say uh, any of your pump action uh, 12 gauges. So that's your Remington 870, Mossberg 500. Um, those are just tried and true. Yeah, yeah. Both of those are really great guns. There's a lot of other companies that make and some really good. They're well priced. Yeah, that makes some really good pump action shotguns. If you're looking for a semi-auto that's pretty reasonably priced, I would say go with the Escort. Um, they make a really great, uh, very reasonable semi-auto that functions really well. Um, if you're looking for um, the, the the only downside is there's not too many cheap over and unders. I mean, I know they make them, but they're typically on the a little bit higher side of of pricing over and under shotguns. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend an over and under just because... Um, well, unless I, your plan is to only shoot trap and skeet and up yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think they're more of a... Uh, you have to be a better shot, I think, you to do. shoot an yeah, over and under. Yeah. Um, especially because both guns are not going to have the same choke... Or both barrels, I'm sorry, are not going to have the same choke. Yeah. And you really have to know what you're doing. To, to shoot an over-under. Well, and the reason why I went, and this is this goes right back to the reason why I chose that Mossberg 500 as my first like personal purchase was because it had both the hunting barrel, the 28-inch barrel that I could take out and do basically any kind of hunting, uh, uh, bird hunting imaginable with it. Um, but then it also had the 18-and-a-half-inch home defense barrel. Yes. Which immediately turns this thing into like a hallway-clearing shotgun, which and, is really great. And that's what's awesome about... Remington and Mossberg, they kind of both do that where um, they, I, I think they kind of know that they're, you know, maybe like the, uh, the intro gun, especially like the 870 and the, the 500. So you, you will find a lot of packages yeah. with um, the longer barrel and the shorter barrel, yeah. um, you know, where you can interchange them. And that that's really handy to have for, to have one gun that can kind of do both, yeah. both things. And that's kind of like uh, when you buy your first firearm that's kind of like what you're looking for something that can do more than than one thing so you know again i, I would recommend for someone that's gonna want to do a little home defense you know have a setup for home defense and maybe just go target shooting that's why where i would recommend the nine millimeter right. if you're going to be a hunter then i would probably recommend a shotgun um, because you're going to use a shotgun for hunting and you can use a shotgun for home defense and you can use it for the trap and skeet range too yeah. so you get some of that target practice which again very different from the nine millimeter target yeah. practice but either way both of them help to make you a better shot so yeah it really just it depends on what, on you're what your goals doing. are um and then last but not least um i would say for me another great first gun that you could get if you're planning on going kind of the bigger game route mm -hmm. in hunting um or if you just want a bigger size rifle maybe you're a guy who's who's shot 22 shot nine millimeters you're not interested in handguns not interested in bird hunting but you have no problems going out and you know maybe doing some boar or, or deer hunting or you just want a really fun long range target rifle um any just kind of basic uh bolt action rifle i would say uh, depending on obviously now you got to talk about what game you're planning on hunting yeah um but uh, a .30-06, I think, is as standard kind of as they come in the in the bolt action rifles, um, or two seventy. You could go with a small, a little bit smaller of a round. But. Yeah, and again, that that's one of those things that that depends. I, to me, I think people that are going to hunt big game um, are typically uh, going to be more um, more used to firearms. Yeah, yeah, um, especially. Uh, when it comes to to hunting big game and knowing your ballistics and your bullet drop and you know it, it, it's almost it's a little more yeah. involved yeah um i think people that just start off and and, and this, this is just from my experience of 
meeting people and knowing people, it's usually, you know, um, uh, people start off hunting birds. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, <laughs> but I think it's just easier maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's easier to get your license and go out there yeah. and, and hunt a bird instead of, you know, drawing a tag and doing all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I, 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 to me the shotgun, 9mm pistol are, are the way to go. Twenty two definitely for kids uh, and younger people. Um, even, uh, you know, like, um, like you know, women that, that uh, might, might be afraid, you know, to go out and you're, you know, trying to, like, introduce new people to shooting. Yeah. Uh, 22 is awesome for that, too. Yeah, and in, in, in that case, it's great in either a handgun or a rifle mm-hmm. platform. Um, just because, like you said, the reduced kick and things like that. And so, yeah, I would say that those three are, are really, really great starting guns. If I could say every I, in my opinion if you uh-huh. plan to be a firearm owner every man should have a 12 gauge shotgun a 9 millimeter pistol and a 22 in his arsenal yeah and and i kind of think that that's what but that's what people you, if, if you're going to keep on buying guns you, you'll definitely get those collect yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> i feel like that's you ask anyone who owns any amount of guns and they have at least one of those if not all three in, in yeah. fact i feel like it's almost more common to find someone who has all three who's into into firearms or hunting or mm-hmm. anything like that you know yeah and um you know it's it's funny though and i we're talking about our generation you when you talk about the old generation it's uh uh, a revolver and a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a thirty-eight special yeah. or some um, the thirty-eight uh, revolver, twenty-two revolver, something like that. Um, yeah, a twenty-two, uh, and yeah, a, a, just any kind of old shotgun. Didn't really matter what it was, as long as it shot a twelve-gauge <laughs> shell or a twenty. Or they had some weird gauges back then too. So, um, but yeah, I think honestly, I think those those three are the best. And then, like I said, if you are getting into the long gun, um, like rifle shooting, then I would say like a thirty out six or two seventy are pretty common. So yeah, and the, if you're going to talk about. Uh, You'll be able to find ammo for those. Yeah, that, you know, that's and that's more another what thing I'm... about the nine millimeter. Um, the nine millimeter, you're going to find ammo for nine millimeter, pretty much everywhere. Same with twelve gauge. Yeah, same with twelve gauge, um, and twenty two long rifle. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you you can know, find that everywhere too. Um, nine millimeter um, is is fairly cheap too. I mean, it, it's gone up in price, but it, I would it's say not too too bad. Other than the obviously the twenty two uh, nine millimeter is the cheapest like uh, center fire uh, handgun round I think out there. Yeah, and you know, if you want um, for you know somebody that's not as big, if you want to just go with a twenty gauge uh, shotgun, that works. Too. And it's the same thing; you can get the same models and everything mm-hmm. in twenty gauge. Um, the cool thing about shooting shotguns is, uh, I mean, everybody says the ammo is not expensive for shotguns, but it, it kind of is if you think about it per shell. Yeah, it's just the amount that you can shoot before your shoulder feels like it's going to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> that is super true. I always think like, oh, shotgun shells are super cheap. But I think part of the the difference is, is if we go out and have a range day, I typically only shoot 50 to 75 shells. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a 9mm, I could easily put two, 300 rounds down range without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, Yeah, other, other things that I think um, you, you, de- you need if you're going to be shooting is uh, ear protection. <laughs> Oh yeah, obviously. You know, to go out yeah. to the range, you got to have ear protection, uh, whether it's just um, your standard uh, inner ear little foam ones, or if you want to get you know the over the ears uh, digital. I mean, you can get crazy if you want, and glasses. Yeah, you know, I just, typically just shoot with my sunglasses on. Um, yeah, it depends on where you shoot. Some indoor ranges will make you, you wear, know, wear yeah. wear. Uh, gun glasses right which is uh, obviously i have pairs for that and those are clear it's indoors you're not having the sunlight i've got a pair of yellow um yellow safety uh glasses too that are pretty cool because you can pick up like movement at a distance with them and i don't know they're just they're super neat to use yeah i've Uh, actually just used my racquetball glasses oh dang okay (laughs) yeah there you go um so let's get back to the cigar what do you think um same as it always is man it's it's a good it's just a good cigar um i don't know how to explain it any other way super smooth super mellow mm-hmm. um i'm taking this thing down really fast uh for as, as long of a cigar as it is i'm definitely enjoying it it's gotten a lot easier to smoke throughout um but now that i'm getting towards the last third um it's definitely picking up with with more spice and and more um it's got a little more of a bite more heat to it but that's with any cigar so yeah i think it's uh, i would uh say that this is an easy smoke would be what i would say to describe it yeah you know yeah it's uh it's not strong it's pretty mild 
Um, you know, it says it was uh, like medium to mild, more on the medium side, but um, I, I don't really feel that, that it's too medium, <laughs> too medium bodied. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, and I'm smoking this thing pretty quick. It's it's definitely um, more of the mild. The only time I can tell you that these things are, are medium is when I'm actually like doing something, so like working on the yard or in the garage and I'm puffing on one of these and you're absent-mindedly like not thinking about it, maybe breathing it in a little bit more. And then at that point I'm like, well, I got to set this thing down. Yeah. I think based on, <laughs> on uh, the description, um, that we got online, um, I think it says notes of cream, cedar, slight spice, the cedar, the cedar and the slight spice are, are what I'm picking out the most. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, it's definitely, it's a good smoke. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had these before. They're enjoyable. Yeah, they're good. They're easy to um, smoke. Goes goes well with the drink. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how are you enjoying that? Are you done with yours? No, actually, I, for whatever reason, I, I just really haven't been sipping it as quickly tonight. But um, it's good. I, I love Woodford Reserve. But oh yeah, um, it, it's it's a good bourbon. Yeah. Um, nothing special, you know. It's not. I think uh, that that's kind of it, it's like those Balmoral cigars. Like it's good, but it's just it's just like a bourbon to me. Yeah. And, uh, for some reason, you know, like, like this one I've had before, um, and I wanted to do it today. It's, it's not, it's not one that I, um, that I always, th- that I think about. Yeah. It's you nice know. to kind of change it up. Yeah. And so a, a lot of times, you know, when I think, okay, well, let me have a glass of whiskey today. It's usually, you know, I think, okay, let's do Makers 46 or, yeah. you know, some, some, uh, some go-tos and this one's never on the list, but it, it it's pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's it, it's the one that I always ask for on the plane because, in my opinion, it's it's far better than just like a standard uh, glass of Jack Daniels or Jim Beam or something like that. But yeah, I think if I were to order um, from a list of bourbons, I don't know that I would. Yeah, I don't know that I would go. Oh, Woodford Reserve, definitely. Yeah, this is something that um, I have. I have ones that I prefer. Yeah. Um, and this is not not at the top of the list, but it, you know, I'm drinking it on on the rocks. Super you good. Know, yeah, it's, it goes it's down. Goes yeah. down very smooth. Yeah, um, it's got a ton of flavor. Yeah, I'm um, liking it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you you have anything uh, in closing? No. Um, I other than if if you know if you're thinking about buying a firearm, um, back kind of back to just our main mm-hmm. topic tonight. If you're thinking about buying a firearm, just make sure that um, that you go kind of prepared. Um, yeah. There's nothing worse than showing up and them going, "Hey, you need." Uh, proof of residence or you need this or that and you know you have no idea what's going on I think that obviously uh, hinders a lot of a lot of buddies that I have will go ah you know I don't want to deal with it yeah once you know the system and know what you need it's actually super easy I was in and out of the shop the other night within less than 15 minutes um, just because I already had everything ready to go in fact I have a little folder that I Mm -hmm. just keep all the stuff that I need in there I take it in find the one I want fill out all the paperwork and you're good to go Um, so I'd say if that's your hesitation uh, don't let any of that scare you. It's it's actually a really easy process once you know what you need. Yeah, so. my my thing is, uh, it's pretty easy. Um, I, I think the harder the harder question is to ask yourself, like, you know, what do you want and why? Right, right. And you that know? that you'll rack your brain on that for a yeah, long time. Yeah, a lot sometimes. a lot of people are going to go out and you know they want a, a a gun for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people they just want one just to have one. Yeah. Because you know they think it's cool or they've never shot before. Um, or whatever, but I yeah. would just, you know, kind of think, okay, well, what are you going to use it for? Right. Um, you know, and then that'll also help you decide what you want. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, what to get. So, absolutely. So, you know, like, like we said, you know, um, the, the, the three guns that came up the most, uh, 22 long rifle, pretty much of any kind. Yeah. Um, nine millimeter pistol. Yep. And shotgun. Yeah. And 12 gauge. I say 12 gauge because, um, Depending on the gun, there's not really that much kick. A lot, a lot of people, I think, over uh, overstate the uh, amount of kick. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it, it just the the shells are are everywhere. You can go to Walmart and buy. Yeah. You know, shotgun shells and stuff. So yeah. yeah. I would say too. Again, back to what Teddy had said. If if you're just if you want a gun just to have either a gun in the house or to start practicing or whatever, if we had to pick one one gun. Um, which this I'm going to throw a curveball at you because okay. I'm I'm saying you just have to pick one. For me, I would say absolutely hands down, and I'm not I'm just saying for the everyday person, mm-hmm. hands down I would go with the nine millimeter handgun. The reason for that is because if you have no intentions of hunting, 
the shotgun, although great for home protection, you're really not going to use for much no. else. I mean, even trap and skeet shooting, if you're not interested in hunting, oftentimes it's re- it's a lot more challenging in my opinion than just taking a handgun out and shooting it. Mm-hmm. Um, with a handgun, you can do home protection with it. If you decided to get a concealed carry permit, you could potentially carry that gun with you. Um, and then it's just, they're just fun to shoot. And, um, like you said, they don't kick a whole lot. Uh, it's kind of, to me, the intro gun, um, the, it's like the 22 of handguns in my opinion. It's just, it's really easy to pick them up and shoot them. And they're, they're a lot of fun to use. Yeah. I would say one gun, that's it. Nine millimeter handgun. So. If I had to choose one, it'd be the same. And that's what I did choose when, <laughs> <laughs> when I bought my first uh, gun. So. Yeah. 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 It's just, it, it's an all around, uh, it's an all around gun, all around caliber. Yeah. You know, the, the ammo's not, uh, too expensive. You can use it for multiple things. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's uh, uh, it's a definitely a good starting gun. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, I think that's it for me. I don't know if you had anything else. No, I, I think we're good. Cool. Um, again, I'd like just to thank everybody for for listening, the support, the feedback. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to try to get these out of a regular a more regular schedule yeah um you know we're working on it yeah 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 just uh thank you everybody for for listening yeah thank you yeah if you've stayed on again this long and have bared through uh these episodes with us we really appreciate it we value your feedback so please do do uh let us know kind of what you're thinking and what your thoughts on um are on everything and then also too if you have any topics that you want us to cover reach out let us know um you know we'd love to to add some topics to our list we have a big list of of stuff we want to cover um but yeah if there's any burning questions you guys have please uh let us know we'd be more than happy to answer those for you all right all right smoke the podcast signing off have a good night